Ultimate Escape is a family-friendly ministry that addresses sexuality. Some episodes may contain sensitive terms and subject matter, especially for younger children. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Escape Podcast. I'm David Chenault. In a world filled with misinformation and confusing messages about sex, Ultimate Escape was created to help provide a place to discuss sexuality in the context of God's plan for humanity, a place that would provide freedom and truth where sometimes that's hard to find. Well, today is no exception. We've got a special episode for you today discussing a topic which well, some people don't always feel comfortable talking about, masturbation. We'll begin our discussion with Steve Holiday, founder of Ultimate Escape. Good uh, good day to you. Steve Holiday with us today in the uh, studio. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Today we want to talk about a topic that, uh, well, you guys do a lot of programs across the country, a lot of speaking engagements. You talk to a lot of students, you talk to a lot of parents, you talk to a lot of educators, church leaders. And while I'm sure you get lots of different questions, uh, there's probably a question that you get asked more often than any others. Uh, without a doubt, the most common question deals with masturbation. Our target audience are you know, people who have a, a fundamental belief in God, uh, Jesus followers, so in your know, Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when people ask us a question, you know, is masturbation right? Is it wrong? Is it sinful? Is it not? Uh, recognize that they're coming from that particular worldview. Sure. Um, and it's not, not my job you know, to try to label, hey, is something right or wrong? Uh, if if I can't point to a place in Scripture that says it's pretty obvious here, you know, this is forbidden or it's you know, instructed not to, it's wrong, whatever. Right. Uh, so you know, from the masturbation question, you know, I take a step back and say I don't know that I can tell you definitively. Hey, it's fine, perfectly. Uh, no, it's wrong. Avoid it. Uh, so I prefer to let's talk about what role uh, does it fill. Okay. Uh, what's his purpose? Sure. Uh, and, you know, we get this question a lot from parents. Uh, I get a lot of questions from teens. Yeah. Now, is it, do you get this question because this is something that uh, in the past has been fairly taboo to talk about? It's uh, definitely been taboo to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, matter of fact, if listeners are still with us, that, that's a pretty good sign right there. Well, there you go. Well, except for the fact, and we've talked about this before on the thing, except the fact that our society is changing so rapidly. True. Um, and sexuality becomes, uh, or at least sexualized content becomes more readily available on the internet, on TV. We see uh, our society being over-sexualized, if I can mm-hmm. use that term. And so um, I think like many things, it things that once were taboo are becoming more and more less taboo. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, and the fact that they were taboo is fuel for, you know, why it's so edgy. Right. Why people want to talk about it, exploit it, make fun of it. Right, right. But obviously when I was growing up, I mean, you didn't, you never asked the question, yeah. was it right or wrong? Because you just didn't talk about right. it. I mean, and so now at least the question's being asked, but I guess that's something that, hey, we haven't been able to talk about this, so mm-hmm. we want to know. I have done training at, at, in Atlanta at the Institute for Sexual Wholeness, and it, which is a, a group of sex therapists you know, who approach from a Christian worldview. And you know, kind of the running joke there is you know, that 75% of men admit to masturbating and 25% lie. Uh, <clears throat> right. You know, and and the reality is it's not just a male thing, you know, male and female. Mm. So whether we're talking about, you know, masturbation kind of in the vacuum there or pornography use 
with masturbation. Sure. Uh, you know, just to make sure that our audience recognizes this is not just a guy thing. Right. Uh, this affects male and female. Both. Sure. Well, okay. So now you've, you brought up the topic of pornography as well. Do those things always go hand in hand, or is it uh, primarily go hand? In? I mean, primarily. Yeah. Uh, you know, most people who who masturbate are either fantasizing about something or watching something. Mm. Um, you know, I think it'd be pretty difficult to find someone who you know masturbates without any kind of uh, mental activity going on at the same time right and so you know, just in dealing with that question you know from purely from a scriptural standpoint i'm not aware of any place in scripture uh, that addresses the act of masturbation mm. uh, there is a story in the book of genesis about a guy named onan uh, if you look at um, i think the king james wording uh, is he spilled his seed on the ground mm-hmm. okay some people look at that and say oh that's masturbation the guy was masturbating god struck him dead don't ever masturbate right. uh, which i think is you know kind of missing the context of what's going on there uh, and looking at that story in context uh, this it was a withdrawal method to keep uh, from getting this woman pregnant mm. uh, basically you know his um his sister-in-law under the old old law mm-hmm. uh, old testament law uh, he was supposed to, because her husband had died and there was no child to carry on your know, family name, family tradition inherit the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his job as the closest relative to get her pregnant mm-hmm. uh, so that she could have a child and thus family continues. If she didn't have a child, you know, guess who gets to inherit all that there is to inherit? His children. Uh, that's him. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So this kind of self-preservation here of, hey, well, you know, the law says I must try to get her pregnant, so I'm going to have sex with her. In context... He's fulfilling the letter of the law. He's having sex with her, but at the last moment, he's withdrawing before he ejaculates so Mm -hmm. that, you know, reduce the risk of getting pregnant. And I think that's what God is displeased with is he's, he's circumventing the law, so to speak here. Um, And so let's look at that story in context and not just assume, oh, well, you know, there's semen on the ground, then he must be masturbating. Mm. Uh, So outside of that story, I don't see anywhere in scripture that the act of masturbation, you know, can even be remotely you know, looked at as, well, this is what it's talking about here. Sure. Okay, sure. so in the absence of a specific, you know, God says do not do this, that, or the other, what spiritual truths, what principles have have something to do with this? Sure. And I think there are a lot of those. Yeah. You know, one, Jesus said if you look lustfully at a woman, you know, well, you've, you've basically already committed adultery with her in your heart. Mm. Uh, okay, so what if the Sermon on the Mount is, you know, Jesus addressing, well, here's what the law says. But let me give you insight into what the heart behind that is. And it's not just a you know legalistic keep the letter of the law, mm-hmm. but here's here's the spirit behind it. Right. Okay, when uh, lust, it may not involve your physical behavior, but it says where your heart is. So do we take away a truth from that? Hey, it, it's important how we look at someone. It's important what we do with their image mentally. Mm. So uh, I see somebody, they're out jogging and, and they're, you know, there's not a whole lot covering them up. And I'm driving toward them, and they're running my direction, and I, I see them, and, hey, I really like what I see. You know, can I keep that in a healthy perspective of, wow, they're very attractive. I'm attracted to them. I find them, you know, handsome, hot, beautiful, whatever. Mm. And then I drive on down the road, and I'm, you know, they're, I, I left them back there, and I'm going on about my day, mm. which is at least a healthy recognition of, hey, I'm attracted. Or do I capture that mental image and file that away, and then I'm going to bring that back up at another time? and misuse the image of that person in a way that, I, of course, I wouldn't do that in real life, uh, especially if there was any accountability, because it would be inappropriate to behave that way with them. Mm-hmm. But I can do that 
in the privacy of my mind and feel like, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus' instruction speaks to that, uh, that maybe there is more going on, that, that we need to guard our heart, not just you know limit our behavior. Paul talked about all things may be lawful, but it may not be expedient. It's permitted, but it may not make good sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, and I, I won't be mastered by anything. For a lot of people, um, masturbation becomes compulsive. It's not something they can just choose. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It takes control of them. The building block behaviors of sexual addiction, if we run with um, Patrick Karn's model of thinking, fantasy, pornography, masturbation. So obviously there is the potential for masturbation to take us down a path that becomes unhealthy. Mm. Even if it starts in a healthy framework, because of the neurochemistry involved, how powerful that is. And if we accompany that with, I'm, I'm doing this behavior to augment my mood, to change my emotions. I feel sad, so I masturbate. I feel stressed. Uh, I feel lonely, and so I masturbate. And I'm doing that to, to medicate my emotions instead of processing my emotions in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, that, that has a potential very quickly to take us down a path that can lead to some real problems. Mm-hmm. Do people understand that, though? I mean, is that, is that, is that a conscious thought? Hey, I'm doing this in order to change my mood. Probably I'm not. sad, so I'm going to go do this. I think that's that's recovery terminology that you know people uh, become aware of what their acting out behavior is doing and the reason behind that. Hmm. Uh, but no, unless someone's got some kind of you know clinical training in cycle of addiction, they may not be making the connection. Hey, right. The reason I overeat is because I'm sad, right? Uh, or the reason I look at porn is because I'm angry, hmm. um, or I go play golf, you know, 18 holes five times a week because it offsets, you know, some hole in my life. Yeah. No right. pun intended. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, what's the process of, of being able to recognize that? Because, I mean, it's it's okay to say, uh, are, I mean, is it, oh, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, what, what is it that I'm, why is it that, that's a, that's a long recovery process, is that not? It is, uh, at least for most people, it is, uh, if you stay involved in the journey. Hmm. You know, to go back to the original, uh, the original question on masturbation, and, and do I, is this something that I'm going to have in my life? You know, hmm. so if I'm the the 13 year old kid out there, and I've been doing this on and off, and struggling with some shame and guilt, and you know, maybe I I, I want to use my sexuality in a way that honors God, but I don't even know is is this honoring God? Does it not? I got a lot of questions there. Hmm. So how do I, as a parent or a youth worker, who hey, I'm teaching a Bible class and somebody raises their hand, uh, that I imagine you've you've yeah. had this situation come up. I've had this situation yeah. come up. Hey, yes, yeah. Let's say, what about masturbation? Is <laughs> right. that okay? Right. Yeah, I was teaching a Bible class in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia, years ago. And a Sunday morning, one of the teenage guys says, well, what about slapping your meat? Is that okay? <laughs> and, okay, well, you introduced that. Let's talk about it. Here we go. <laughs> right. Uh, and yeah. so where do we go with that? Right. God made us sexual beings. All of us deal with those thoughts, papers. I mean, if, you're, if your heart's pumping blood mm-hmm. and your eyes are working, uh, and even if your eyes aren't working, your heart pump, pump blood and your know, hormones are there, and uh, regardless of age, I don't care if you're you know, 12 years old or 90 years old, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're sexual beings, and so we have to deal with that sexual energy. Uh, well, if we go with a what I believe is a, a biblical model of, you know, where is sex supposed to be experienced, and, you know, certainly sexual behavior between two people, um, you know, a marriage context. You know, for, for more on that, you know, see our 
fun theology is sex presentation. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, which may be a content or a conversation for another sure. podcast. If I believe that sex is something God designed to be uh, expressed and, and a vital part of a healthy marriage relationship and isn't supposed to be a part of a relationship that's not a marriage relationship, uh, what do I do with that? Because here I am, you know, 11, 12 years old, my body has already gone through changes and you know, those hormones are there and, and physically I'm capable of having a sexual relationship. Doesn't mean that mentally, emotionally, you know, I'm, I'm ready for that, but at least my body physically is. Mm-hmm. But in our culture now, you know, the average age for marriage is what, 27-ish? Right. Uh, at least several years ago, I think that was the current age. That's a lot of years. You know, mm-hmm. to go from 11, 12 to, you know, 25, 30, mm-hmm. um, that's a whole lot of years to steward or manage my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, as a single individual. So the the question of is masturbation okay is a, a very relevant question, not even to get into hey, as a married individual. Right. You know, is this something that, that I do in addition to my sexual relationship with my spouse? Mm. Um, and different recovery fellowships, you know, will define what sobriety is differently. You know, probably the most uh, conservative essay, Sexologs Anonymous, in their uh, terminology, you know, would define sobriety as I am not acting out sexually with anyone or myself. I reserve sexual behavior to be with my spouse. You know, other fellowships of um, sexual recovery, I would define that more loosely. And I, you know, to me, that's an individual question. I think an individual has to you know, right. basically come to a, a, at peace with themselves and God and their understanding of God's word. Uh, and I wouldn't want to bind my understanding or opinion uh, on someone else. I would hope that, especially if we're talking about a young person, uh, that they would have somebody in their life they can go to and say, hey, here's what I'm I'm wondering. Uh, help me find out an answer to this. And if that's a parent, ideally, you've got a healthy parent. Sure. I'd uh, be able to go and have that conversation. You know, if that's a, a youth minister, a mentor in their life who they respect spiritually. Right. Hey, let's look at the, the pros and cons. What are the reasons that, hey, this, this might be an okay thing to do as a single individual? Uh, until you meet that right person and you're married, here's how you exist in a culture that just is saturated with sexual content. I mean, you know, any any teenager at a school, uh, you walk into school and, and within a, a minute or two, if you haven't already seen it on your way into school, there are sexual triggers. Mm. Uh, you know, that's going to generate testosterone production, which is going to release dopamine, which is going to cause more testosterone. I mean, you got this stair step effect going on where, hey, in a heartbeat, I can go from I'm not thinking about anything to do with sex. To it's all I can do to keep my mind off of sex. Right, right. Um, and, and what do I do with all that? Now I come home at the end of the day, I feel revved up. You know, is, is there anything that I can do uh, in that moment uh, to release my my sexual energy? I have you know people that I respect as colleagues or or mentors in Christian sex therapy and the treatment of sexual addiction uh, from a professional standpoint that I admire and, and respect greatly, who are on opposite sides of the fence of this issue. Wow. Uh, I've got some sex therapy friends who feel very strongly that as a Christian, the way to not, to use, use a biblical term here, to admit fornication, okay, to, yeah. to, to you know, sex outside of marriage. Mm. Uh, the way to avoid doing that is to use masturbation to steward your sexual energy and feel like that, that can be a very healthy thing for a Christian single to do. I've got people you know, who I consider friends and colleagues in the sex addiction treatment who would caution very strongly about ever um, utilizing masturbation as a behavior uh, to deal with sexual energy uh, because, you know, again, primarily 
population of the primary population they're working with are people for whom masturbation has become compulsive mm-hmm. or part of an addiction cycle and has led to you know escalated behaviors and marriages falling apart and hurting other people and and life collapses. Could that be a, a, a akin to uh, narcotics, for example? We're going to prescribe narcotics because there's some pain, and we're going to take that. And the other side says, don't prescribe the narcotics because it's so easy to get addicted to <laughs> prescription medication. Uh, you're dealing with fire there, and you don't want to get too hot to the close to the flame. Yeah, I think the perspective is the same. Hey, recognize that there's a risk of danger. Mm-hmm. So do I even want to go down that road right. uh, and, and take that risk. From a sexual addiction treatment standpoint, uh, to recognize, hey, that's a building block behavior. And opening that door, going down that path, has a strong likelihood of leading right. d- you know, down, down here. So let's just avoid doing that. Again, I respect those people uh, and, and don't question their commitment to Christ or their biblical knowledge. Uh, it, I think it's a different perspectives. So, you know, from a ministry, Ultimate Escape, I mean, it's not, not my job, my place, uh, nor us as an organization right. to say, here's the definitive answer. I think our job is to provide truth. That's our goal, provide as much truth as possible about a topic, and then it's up to individuals to make those choices. Right. I know I can speak, and, and if Holly were here joining us for this podcast, uh, she would probably speak fairly passionately uh, on the damage that was done to our marriage because masturbation played such a huge role in my life from such an early age mm. and the path that that led me down. Um, and so we can speak to not just the risk of problems, but when those problems become real-world problems. Mm. And there are countless marriages who have been ruined because one or the other spouse, hey, it's just easier, uh, requires less uh, energy and focus. You just go take care of that myself. And, you know, somebody's looking at porn multiple times a day and masturbating to that. And there's never any interest for a spouse because, hey, when it's all you know in my mind or the porn I'm looking at, everything caters to me. It's very selfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why even bother with having to do something that focuses on someone else? Right. Uh, or may not. Maybe they don't do what I want them to do. Maybe they're not comfortable with that. Maybe uh, maybe that violates their sense of right or wrong or it, it makes them feel degrading, uh, degraded. And so. Um, instead of trying to be selfless and pay attention to and take care of the needs of my spouse, I just go do this on my own. Lo and behold, now it's been weeks, months, years. There's no sexual relationship at all. Right. I mean, I've counseled those couples. Right. Um, so I think there's a lot of wisdom in saying, you know, let's just avoid even going down that path. When all of that is kept in secrecy, you know, the other spouse is left thinking, what's wrong with me? They're, you know, am I not attractive? Um, you know, have I done something that that has hurt them and um, they're not interested in me anymore. And, you know, especially for people who uh, are avoidant personalities, well, it may just feel easier to never actually have that conversation Mm. and talk about it. And so time just continues to go on. I mean, I've worked with couples who have had no sexual relationship for years Mm. and they've just never talked about it. Not a very fulfilling marriage. Sure. Uh, Let's back up. Let's, let's take it from a parental perspective. Um, something I suspect my my kid may be struggling mm-hmm. with. Um, obviously, we've always said dialogue is the best right. start. Um, Talk. Talking about it. So how do you, how do you open that conversation? You know, number one, I would want to take as much shame away as possible. Um, hey, this is a behavior that a whole lot of people do. Um, a lot of kids discover, I've used the term innocently or accidentally, hey, if I touch myself or if I rub this part of me, it uh, feels really good. Never felt anything like that before. 
So as a parent, you know, talk to them if I'm talking to my child and suspecting this is a behavior that, that's active in their life, I want to make it non-shaming conversation. Hey, this is something that we never talked about before, and I wish we had. I, I should have mm-hmm. talked to you about this at some point in the past, and, and I just didn't. Uh, and that's my responsibility, not yours. But here's either a concern I have or here's something I know you might be wondering because we've never talked about it, mm-hmm. but most kids do wonder about it. So I'm just going to assume that you do. Right. And then we have that conversation. Uh, and I encourage conversations like that to be brief. You know, I don't want to uh, preach a 10-minute sermon to my kid. I don't want to preach a five-minute sermon to my kid. Sure. Uh, but I may have a minute or so of something to share mm-hmm. and hopefully then be willing to listen. Now, if if I haven't talked to my kids about sex from the time they were little, um, this conversation is probably going to be really awkward <laughs> for me and them both. Right. Um, and so there may need to be some time of, hey, okay, I'm, I'm sharing what I want to share. Tomorrow, let's get together and talk about this a little bit more. Yeah. Or for tomorrow, I'd like to hear your thoughts about yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm not asking direct questions. Hey, do you masturbate? <laughs> Uh, you know, if we want to tee our kids up for a chance to lie, there you go, right there. Uh, let me just ask a question like that. That you know, they're probably thinking if they say yes, they're you know, going to be buried until they're thirty, right, in a box somewhere. Instantly putting them in that twenty-five percent category you <laughs> talked about right, earlier, right? <clears throat> okay, exactly. Uh, so you know, gentle, trying to get, create conversation as opposed to shut conversation down, mm. and hopefully can have some dialogue with that. I mean, obviously, we can't force our kids to talk. And we sure. sure can't force them to tell the truth. We can set the stage. Uh, and if we set the stage carefully, uh, at least gives us the best opportunity for our kids to talk openly uh, and not fear condemnation, not fear punishment, um, take as much shame out of that as possible, mm-hmm. uh, and just have an open conversation. Kids want to talk about this. They want, want answers. It's the number one question. You know, anytime we do a, a written you know question and answer time where people can you know, write it down on a piece of paper right. or text us anonymously. Right. We always get that question. Wow. Is, is it right? Is it wrong? Is it okay? Yeah. Um, what, what's wrong with it? Like it's asked already with the understanding, well, there must be something wrong with it because, sure. you know, for whatever reason, um, well, because nobody's ever talked to me about it. So it must be wrong. Right. Um, kind of like sex, you know, well, we don't ever talk about it. So it must be dirty. It must be bad. It's, right. Something's got to be wrong with it. Yeah. But that would be my encouragement to any parents who may be listening is if you haven't, address that topic mm. uh, and you've got a, a child who's 10 years older or more, you may be behind the eight ball Yeah, because uh, a lot of kids discover that pretty early on in life. And again, we're not talking about just boys. We're talking right. about boys, boys and girls. And girls. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, I've probably got about as many questions from girls or parents of girls or clients who are female mm-hmm. as they do guys. Mm. Um, so it, it, yeah, it's certainly not a, well, you know, it's 99% guys, and every once in a while, you're going to find a girl out there. Do you see, um, I'm just kind of curious in terms of the gender, differences in gender, um, I know that sexual behavior or, or sexual issues sometimes follow different paths based on gender. Mm-hmm. Do you see the same kind of thing? Does it does it escalate in different ways for boys versus girls? Is- what I've seen uh, is way in way of written material from people who deal primarily with females uh, is that acting out behaviors tend to look different. Uh, girls tend to be more focused on relationship. Again, I'm speaking in generalities. Right. Okay, so if somebody out there is saying, well, you know, I've got a sister, and a cousin, a, a best friend, somebody who, and, and they're the exception to that. Right. I don't need a nasty email. Uh, I'm just, I'm speaking in generalities <laughs> right, here. Right, right. 
typically females are more relationship oriented. And so their acting out behaviors are going to be more relationally focused, texting, mm -hmm. sexting, mm -hmm. um, chat room, uh, meeting somebody online and then actually meeting up with them in real life. Right. Uh, whereas guys tend to be more, just give me something to look at. So they may ask for a picture, uh, from, from someone, uh, they're looking at porn. Mm -hmm. Uh, they want, you know, a movie, some, something with a, you know, a portal of, I can see someone, you know, whether it's a still image or a, a moving figure. Right. Uh, and let me just masturbate to that. I don't want the strings attached of a relationship. Right. I mean, I, I know of heterosexual men who will go hook up with a male prostitute because they feel safer that there won't be any kind of a relational dynamic develop, mm -hmm. whereas they would prefer a female. But there's the fear of, well, uh, yeah. they may want to get together again. So it's just easier to do this with a guy. Yeah. Because uh, if I close my eyes, it all feels the same. <laughs> now, again, I'm not I'm not arguing that that's logical or right. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's reality. Sure. Yeah, I've, I've had clients, I've had consults in situations like that. And the bottom line is men and women, as a general rule, act out different right. when it comes to addictive sexual behavior mm -hmm. or whether it's addictive sexual behavior or just you know, acting out sexually in general. Um, so yeah, there is there is a difference. Yeah, as a student or as a as a as a teenager or a young adult that's struggling with this uh, and doesn't necessarily feel comfortable with their parents because their parents haven't talked to them about that, how can they seek out assistance or help? Uh, that's a great question because if there is not a trusted adult who has a, a mature spiritual focus in their life, you start to get pretty limited on on resources. You know, obviously. There's this podcast that I hope gives somebody something to think about, sure. at least as, as they're weighing characteristics or qualities in the discussion to, to focus on. There is a, a great book out there. Dr. Doug Rosenau and Michael Todd Wilson um, are the authors, and it's called Soul Virgins, S-O-U-L, mm -hmm. Soul Virgins. Mm -hmm. um, has a great section of the book that's devoted to the topic of masturbation. Uh, and again, you're talking about a longtime Christian sex therapist. Uh, who presents here's both sides of the fence. Mm. You know, here are the, the risks, here are you know, things to watch out for. Uh, here can be, you know, healthy times when masturbation may be uh, something that uh, somebody wants to incorporate uh, as a Christian individual. Right. That's probably the best resource that I can say that gives a, a full discourse uh, and is not particularly slanted uh, that, hey, this is going to try to point you this direction or that direction. It presents a lot of information and then leaves the reader in the position of you, you decide. So start off with a book where we go from there. Uh, again, it brings us back to the need for dialogue. Yeah. I need another human being to be able to talk to. Mm. And I certainly don't encourage you know teens to go talking to peers uh, about topics like this. And there's way too much risk and, and leaves a lot of room for problems, mm. um, serious problems to develop. Um, find a trusted adult and say, hey, here's something I've been wondering about. Uh, and I, I believe that you're going to shoot straight with me and, and help me think through this. Yeah. And that, that's, the, that's the best advice I've got. 
Well, thank you so much for being here today, Steve. That's going to do it for us today here at the Ultimate Escape Podcast. Remember, if you want to find out more information about Ultimate Escape or any of the topics we've discussed or hear more of our podcasts, you can find all that information online at our website. That's ultimateescape.org. Ultimateescape.org. And remember, our podcasts are available wherever podcasts are found. iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and many, many others. Just simply search for Ultimate Escape Podcast, again, created by the founders, Steve and Holly Holiday. Again, thanks for joining us. I'm David Chenault, and this has been the Ultimate Escape Podcast. <laughs>